0: Once
1: upon a time there was a ghost, his name was Charlie. Welcome to the Creature Collective podcast, where we discuss all things that go bump in your night. We're your hosts, I'm Frenchie French.
2: And I'm James, aka Jiminy Bobimini, aka Jimmy Bofemi, aka Jaime Ignacio. <laughs> At the Creature Collective, <laughs> we investigate all things rarely cited from cryptids to things under your sink. Chances are if that's a blurry photo or a scary campfire story, we're into it.
1: <laughs> did you say? Did you say Jaime yeah. <laughs> that's <amazing. I'm> Ignacio? Yeah. Amazing. Jaime Ignacio. We streamlined our intro so we're not so we don't like stumble over who we are and what we're doing every time.
2: Exactly, because I sometimes I forget, and then I realize that. Hey, let me tell you. Look in the mirror. and Say you the shit. You should too. <laughs>
1: i forget to introduce myself i think most of the time and then we stumble over what we do here and this is a fact <laughs> this is a
2: legitimate fact frenchy french oh my god i wish like oh i'm taking bro i'm taking a screenshot of you right now oh my god Why, what? you look oh, no. adorable bro you don't even know what she looks like right now she looks adorable she has on like a little av like a uh, club like uh, headphones bro it's adorable
1: <laughs> they're the biggest headphones <laughs> i've ever put on my head they're the size of my head i have a head on bro, my head they're
2: mad cute <laughs> <laughs> they mad cute
1: your face is mad, cute, mad cute
2: not as cute as what you look right now this is this is
1: oh, this amazing is embarrassing. <laughs> i guess we have to put that on our instagram <laughs> but
2: Frenchie, what are we discussing today
1: so today we're discussing the yeti and this episode is dedicated to my friend Jessica from Apple because she told me this is her favorite cryptid, which is very exciting. <laughs> Ooh,
2: yes. All right. There are multiple different descriptions of the Yeti slash Bigfoot slash whatever the fuck you want to call them. But mostly, <laughs> it's like a it's a very large, muscular bi, is it bipedal or bipedal?
1: I think both it's like are bipedal. I feel like I say both idol. of them.
2: And bipedal. Ape-like creature, <laughs> roughly uh six to nine feet, covered in hair that's usually black. Sometimes it's like, you know, like brownish or dark brown or reddish.
1: Yeah, you expect it to be like snowy white, but it's not.
2: It's not at all. I mean, I expect it to be like a polar bear, but it's not. <laughs> and one of the big distinctions of uh this ape-like creature is it has really big feet, hence the name.
1: Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. Bigfoot.
2: This is the original
1: Bigfoot, too. This one predates the uh, Western, the actual Western Bigfoot, which is kind of cool. Okay, I'm excited. So, you excited? Yeah. This one is the biggest topic we've covered so far, and we're not even going to be covering like the tip of the iceberg. I had to cut it down so much that like we'll put our sources in the show notes because there's so much more than we can possibly cover here without like making a whole podcast about Bigfoot and the Yeti. We're only going to be covering the Yeti Bigfoot. We're not going to cover any of the other big feet. <laughs> is it Bigfoot? or Bigfoots <laughs> or big <Bigfoots laughs> feet?
3: I don't. Like, I don't
2: know. But whatever you're saying, it's hilarious.
1: Gonna... It's the big
2: feats. I, I think it's big feats.
1: I like big feets, too. It's big feets. You know what's funny? No, it's not actually funny. But for some reason in my head, when I think of plural feet, I think, this is so stupid, feeties. <laughs> I don't know why.
2: You know, feeties. I'm telling you. Look like, at me, little big feeties.
1: <laughs> so the yeti or the abominable snowman has its origins in himalayan legends but gained unprecedented fame when western mountaineers nazi explorers and secret service agents arrived armed with mass media and as a result the yeti became a very westernized phenomenon. and today we're specifically going to be discussing the western version of the yeti making this our very first series
2: oh Woo-hoo! boom <laughs> we are the rocky of podcasts
1: yes i think i know what that means because there are lots of rocky movies right
2: there's like seven and they get worse
1: (laughs) do you know didn't he start out as a porn star or something oh
2: yeah the italian stallion look that up (laughs) look that up did (laughs) i watch it yes
1: seriously i I need to watch seriously watch it
2: it, bro the italian stallion (laughs) look that up sylvester stallone okay you know how it goes you know how porno happens I don't have to explain yeah. a porno to you. Thanks, James. They're both naked.
1: I don't think I like porn if they're not like at least somewhat naked.
2: Softcore porn would be warming up on each other. That's weird.
1: <laughs> okay, we've just spent a lot of time talking. Yeah, about Yeah, no, thank porn.
2: you. Yeah, like go past that.
1: <laughs> I feel like I need to warn people at the beginning of every episode that because I have asthma, I cough when I laugh, but I'm not dying. I just, I just can't breathe when I'm laughing. <laughs> so if you hear me like coughing a little bit that's it that's it's just because i i'm bad at breathing
2: (laughs) don't call the police also if you call the police when you hear something coughing on the podcast you have problems yeah that's pretty weird yeah that is pretty weird
1: seek seek help Okay, so back to the Yeti. All right. So, this is our first series. We're going to talk about the Himalayan Yeti in probably the third part of the series. Uh, we also have a very special episode today because during our Creature versus Creature, we have our very first. James, do you want to describe it?
2: This is going to be a battle royale between two opponents one, <laughs> the Mothman himself, and one, the kindly little Jackalope. It's going to <laughs> so be cute. a battle royale when it takes all. What are they taking? I don't know.
1: Well, or at least goes forward in the fight. Yeah. I still don't really understand how much madness Uh, works.
2: (laughs) Well, she called it May Madness before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying. I'm not good at this. (laughs) I don't do sports because as stated before, I have asthma. So, some of the information we're going to cover is going to be a little dry, but we'll do our best to keep it interesting. James is hilarious, so I think we'll be fine.
2: No, James thinks he's hilarious. (laughs) So, I think I'm hilarious too. So, (laughs) good. At least
1: two people will be laughing at themselves. At at
2: themselves, right?
1: (laughs) And as a disclaimer, there's going to be a lot, there's going to be at least some Tibetan, Chinese, Indian, Nepalese, and Bhutanese words in these episodes. I don't speak any of those languages. I might pronounce them incorrectly, so I apologize ahead of time. I mean, no disrespect at all. I, I just don't know how to speak those languages. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry about butchering. I actually like I actually cut out a lot. I had this, this intro where I was like, the Yeti has many names and then seven names, and I was like, oh, no, I can't do this.
2: The <laughs> Yeti has seven names and five of them I can't pronounce. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all of them I can't pronounce. <laughs> Except Yeti. That one's fine. So the Yeti has many names <laughs> and most of the names have some version of the word bear in them. But the great big-footed beast of the Himalayas got its name from a mistranslation in the London Times. Now, a man named Charles Howard Bury was a high society man from Ireland with a past as colorful as the Yeti himself. He grew up in a haunted castle in Ireland and came to Tibet in 1905 without the permission of the Viceroy of India. So to disguise himself, he dyed his skin with walnut juice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish you guys could see Joe's face. His mouth just dropped Bo- open. Bro,
2: and so he's like Rachel Dolezal type.
1: Yes, oh, yeah, no. and apparently this was kind of common. Dudes were just going to India with their faces brown. Because <laughs> so this bad. is gonna come up like at least one, like one or two times more after this.
2: Oh no, that's so bad.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> So in India, he bought a bear cub, which seems to be the only reason he went to India in the first place was to buy a bear cub, which I feel like he could have done anywhere, but I don't know. I don't buy bears.
2: Um. You don't?
1: (laughs) No, they're too big. (laughs)
2: It's the only reason. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's too big and scary. (laughs) So he brought the bear home with him, named it Agu, and bear prints became a regular occurrence in his life. He spent his days living with the Shakespearean actor Rex Beaumont, entertaining the socialites and notables of the time. Though his life was colorful, even lavish, he wasn't known to exaggerate or tell tall tales. When he found unfamiliar footprints on a climb, he wrote in his diary, We distinguished hare and fox tracks, but one mark, like that of a human foot, was most puzzling. The coolies assured me that it was the track of a wild hairy man, and that these men were occasionally to be found in the wildest and most inaccessible mountains. I don't know what the word "coolies" means, and I forgot to look it up. <laughs> but I assume it means local, and I hope it's not a slur.
2: Oh, I thought it was coolots, but <laughs> but who knows? He's
1: talking to his clothes. <laughs> Howard Burry believed the footprints were likely from a large wolf that created double tracks. So double tracks are going to come up again later. Basically, that's when a four-footed creature steps its back foot into the front step, so that the two footprints overlap, creating a really big footprint.
2: Wait, that's weird as fuck. First of all, how are you walking?
1: <laughs> they have got four legs.
2: Yeah, but still, I'm like, yo. So you, so like you walk where like your footprint is there, and there's only one footprint. Like, only two feet footprints, and then you walk into the other? What? Yeah, I'm Yeah, so happens confused. by
1: accident. Like, they don't think about it. It's sort of like when you're walking behind someone in the snow, and you step into their footprints. It's like that, but except you have four legs instead of two.
2: Uh, look, the way that I'm thinking that they walk in is weird as fuck right now. <laughs> I <laughs>
1: can imagine.
2: <laughs> because I'm like, yo, why are you walking like that? It's like, <laughs> Who looking walks for like, every footprint. Right? Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with your lifestyle right now? <laughs>
1: When Howard spoke to the porters, which are men who are hired to carry luggage during expeditions, they suggested the tracks may have been from the Wild Men of the Snow, which they named, oh gosh, Meto Kangmi? Mato Kangmi, I think? I think E's are pronounced as A's in Tibetan, but I'm not sure. I looked it up, but it was, it was really hard to follow.
2: <laughs> I, like, don't look at me like I know shit, because I'm just going to give you a wrong-er answer. And I just said wrong-er. <laughs> And that's
1: not even a word. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of <laughs> wronger answers. There's so much like misinformation in this like whole saga of the Yeti. It's, there's going to be a lot of wrong stuff.
2: <laughs> I'm with it, bro.
1: Though he didn't believe the stories, Howard Burry sent a telegraph to a newspaper back home. And to convey irony, he added three exclamation points after the wild men of the snows. But just like trying to convey sarcasm through texts, it's not easy to deliver irony in telegraphs. The exclamations were omitted, and the wild men of the snows were taken at face value. So instead of noting that it was a joke, they were like, oh, this is real. (laughs) In the London Times, they ran the article titled, Tibetan Tales of Hairy Murderers, written by a man named Harry Newman, and it goes like this. I fell into conversation with some of the porters, and to my surprise and delight, another Tibetan who was present gave me a full description of wild men how their feet were turned backwards to enable them to climb easily, and how their hair was so long and matted that when going downhill, it fell over their eyes. When I asked him what the name was applied for these men, he said, meto kongmi. Kongmi means snowmen, and the word meto I translated as abominable.
2: Abominable.
1: Backwards feet.
2: (laughs) Abominable.
1: Yeah, I love that
2: word. (laughs) Because I didn't know what it was until I... (laughs) Let's go, let's, 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 continue talking. <laughs> what am I talking about?
1: <laughs> I had no idea. You didn't know what abominable meant.
2: But y'all have so much caffeine in my system right now.
1: Oh, I bet. <laughs> it's a
2: problem. It's a real problem.
1: Though Howard Burry had offered the translation of man bear, it was nonetheless translated as abominable. There's going to be some racist stuff in here because Nazis are also involved. but in a long and somewhat racist letter written to the times newman stated the whole story seems such a joyous creation i sent it to one or two newspapers later i was told i had not quite gotten the force of the word mech which he didn't even put in the article which is kind of weird
2: that is kind of weird
1: which did not mean abominable quite so much as filthy or disgusting somebody wearing filthy tattered clothing the tibetan word means something like that But it's much more emphatic, just as a Tibetan is more dirty than anyone else. Like, what the hell? That's so rude.
2: That is really racist.
1: Seriously, (laughs) what the hell?
2: It's like he's mad
1: that he got the word wrong, so he's blaming it on Tibetans. Yeah,
2: yeah, I made a mistake, so it's your fault.
1: Yeah, I made a mistake, so obviously you guys are dirty.
2: I'm embarrassed, you're dirty.
1: (laughs) But wait, it gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> because Newman and his publisher got that wrong too.
2: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, the letters TCH can't be rendered in Tibetan. So rather than metch, what they likely should have said was meto, which translates as Howard Bury was saying before, as man bear. The word yeti comes from the word yete, used by the Sherpas to describe the creature and is likely a corruption of the word mete. So lots of evolution around the name of the. Abominable
2: Soman. You know like when your teacher when your teacher tells you they, like they're going and telling you something uh-huh. and then further and further you realize that you researched the wrong thing. James, so,
1: <laughs> <laughs> what have you done?
2: So here's the thing. When you said when you said Yeti, I was like, oh yeah, cool, Yeti. whatever was Bigfoot. So I have a whole <laughs> bunch of I have a, a whole bunch of of signings of the Bigfoot as well as the description of a Bigfoot.
1: That's amazing.
2: So the description of the Yeti is white hair. It's like when you say, you think it'll be white hair because it is white hair.
1: <laughs> there are a lot of descriptions. It's okay. that The description you gave actually matches a lot of the descriptions.
2: Yeah, look, look, here's the thing. It is the right one because I refuse to be wrong. Are most of my signings in Oregon? Yes.
1: I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I kind of knew this was going to happen, and I thought about texting you the other day, but I was like, nah, Jesus got this.
2: <laughs> I assume I don't ever got this.
1: <laughs> this is hilarious.
2: Look, so here we are, son. I'm going to research the actual Yeti, and I'm gonna, and, and we're going to talk about the sightings, Uh, and it's going to be cut into this episode, and you're not even going to know. Only because I've been saying it for the past three minutes, you're going to know. But look, <laughs> it's fine. Well,
1: We'll 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 cut at the sightings and then we'll pr- we'll we'll start again after that.
2: Yeah, look. After you have done
1: research. Yeah, but here's,
2: but here's the thing. Y'all gonna know that I that I fucked up. It doesn't look. Y'all gonna know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not cutting this out.
1: It'll be magic.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Keep this saying, Frenchie. Keep this saying, Aspen. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not cutting this out.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> the image of the abominable snowman has changed throughout the centuries, and it appears in the West at least to have started as a wild man similar to mythological Greek creatures, which is crazy and kind of fun. Stories of a wild man in the snow go all the way back to 326 BC when Alexander the Great had set out to conquer Persia and India. While traveling through Kashmir, he heard of strange satyr-like wild men in the snow. And satyrs are like the Greek god Pan. Do you know Pan?
2: Oh yeah, like the goat little thing, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah.
1: They're half goat, half man with horns, hairy legs, and hooves, and then a man's torso. With the (laughs) float. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They also look similar to Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They also look similar to like classic devils, which I was thinking about a lot when we were doing the Jersey Devil, is that he like some of the descriptions sounded a lot like Pan Alexander the Great.
2: The rapper Alexander the Great. (laughs)
1: Alexander the Great demanded the locals bring one of the wild men to him, but they said that the creature couldn't survive in lower altitudes, so they never did. Likely story. Likely. (laughs) (laughs) Pliny the Elder also wrote of these wild men, and Pliny the Elder was an uh, army commander, philosopher, and writer in ancient Rome. He wrote Naturalis Historia or Natural History, uh, which was an early encyclopedia of the time. In it, he wrote, In the land of Satyrs, in the mountains that lie in the east of India... Live creatures that are extremely swift, as they can run on both four feet and two. They have bodies like men, and because of their speed, can only be caught when they are ill or old.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And in the early or in the mid 20s BC, Claudius Alienus, the head priest under the Roman Emperor Septimius Severus, wrote another encyclopedia like book called De Natura Animalius, or On the Nature of Animals. Um, his book was a little more realistic than uh, a little more moralistic than Pliny's was. In it he wrote, "If one enters the mountains of neighboring India, one comes upon lush, overgrown valleys. Animals that look like satyrs roam these valleys. They are covered with shaggy hair and have a long horse's tail. When left to themselves, they stay in forests and eat tree sprouts. But when they hear the dim of approaching hunters and the barking of dogs, they run with incredible speed to hide in mountain caves. For they are masters of mountain climbing. They also repel approaching humans by hurling stones at them.
2: Oh, so they are just throwing rocks at people.
1: Yeah, Yetis are known for throwing rocks at people and also whistling.
2: Whistling and throwing rocks at people.
1: Yeah. Whistling is like constant.
2: Also, in the research that I did that was wrong. This lady heard <laughs> whistling. Yeah. So what you with the Bigfoot? So I was like, oh you know.
1: Yeah, whistling it seems to be common in all Bigfoot mythology, which is really cool, or all Bigfoot sightings. I promise that the really dry stuff isn't going to go on for much longer. In 1832, a man named Brian Houghton Hodgson—I had to practice that like five times this morning—John
2: <laughs> Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt,
1: yeah—wrote <laughs> of another wildman in the Himalayas. He was the first Englishman permitted to visit the then-forbidden land of Nepal and the first British resident of the court of Nepal. So he w- he was part of the court of Nepal. So basically like a British politician in Nepal. Hodgson was interested in the cultural traditions of the area as well as the natural history. Though he didn't see the creature himself, his local hunters were frightened during an expedition. This is just an aside, but have you ever seen like Star Princess versus... It's a cartoon.
2: Oh, Star versus the Birds of the Evil?
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, I love that show.
2: I've seen most of the episodes, and I saw the one with her best friend who's a horsehead who talks like Miranda Sykes. I love her. That's one of my favorite shows.
1: I love that show. Have you seen the episodes with the like the woman that like communicates with the monsters? Yes. That is how I imagine all like British anthropologists during this time.
2: <laughs> Bro... <laughs> That's a perfect explanation. <laughs> right. It's a perfect explanation. And if you haven't watched that that cartoon you should.
1: You should. It's so good. It's a good cartoon. Man, I love cartoons.
2: <laughs> Hard-hitting information from us. <laughs> yeah. man, man, I love cartoons.
1: <laughs> a couple people doing a podcast about monsters. <laughs> Shocking. Okay, here's something he wrote about his shooters during his stay. My shooters were once alarmed in the kashar by the apparition of a wild man, possibly an orang, but I doubt their accuracy. They mistook the creature for a demon or rakshas and fled from it instead of shooting it. It moved, they said, erectly, was covered with long dark hair, and had no tail.
2: I know, erectly. <laughs> I'm not even picturing it like, I know what I mean upright. Yeah. But what I'm picturing is it, like, <laughs> you freaky ass monster, bro. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Why you, what happened with a motor bro it can't
1: that. help it; he's going through puberty <laughs> <laughs> it's a hard time for everyone
2: yeah definitely a hard time <laughs> <dead. laughs>
1: alright just over a hundred years later on another expedition in 1938 the explorer Bill Tillman who we'll talk about later too believed that Howard Burry and Henry Newman's abominable snowman might have had another explanation so we're going back to the, uh, the abominable snowman story He wrote, in Tibet, there is no capital punishment. Men found guilty of grave crimes are simply turned out of their villages and monastery. They live in caves like wild animals, and in order to obtain food, become expert thieves and robbers. Also in parts of Tibet and the Himalaya, many caves are inhabited by ascetics, I think is how you pronounce it, and others striving to obtain magical powers by cutting themselves off from mankind and refusing to wash.
2: It's like motherfuckers just not taking baths and thinking that they're going to give superpowers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I shall never wash these hands for they are holy.
2: It's like, what is wrong with <laughs> you? You just smell like like butt and you, won't, you smell like cheese. You smell like mozzarella cheese.
1: People do not like the way the Yeti smells. <laughs> <laughs> Tillman believed that the fictional word "match" that Newman basically Misquoted and made up may have referred to wild exiled men wearing tattered and disgusting remnants of their old clothes and that they would attack travelers. Oh, wow! Yeah, so dirty men attacking people.
2: (laughs) Dirty men attacking this sounds like New York, it
1: does, right? Yeah,
2: men attacking people. Am I for it? No, is it interesting? A little bit.
1: I thought you were gonna say also no, (laughs) (laughs) a little bit, and that brings us to footprints yes there are a lot a lot of footprint stories we're only going to cover like some of the really big history creating ones yeah the footprints are going to come kind of in and out of the story so 1889 while exploring sikkim which is a state in northeast india that borders tibet bhutan and nepal major lawrence waddell or waddle i'll probably say waddle
2: (laughs) mr waddle
1: (laughs) yeah it's so cute
2: It is pretty cute, but not as cute as you in those little uh, headphones. James,
1: don't bully me.
2: (laughs) I'm just saying I took a picture.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So Major Lawrence Waddle spotted a set of large footprints. His servant said the footprints must have been from a dangerous creature that fed on humans known as the Yeti. And Waddle was something of an Indiana Jones type. He was an English soldier and explorer, a professor of chemistry and Tibetan culture, a surgeon, an archaeologist, and was known to roam Tibet in disguise.
2: Whoa, <laughs> you not all of those things.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Look, like,
2: I don't care how smart you are, you not all of those things. Look, you, look first of all, Johnson Volta is an okay pilot and an okay actor. Yeah. He's not a great pilot and a great actor. You can't be a great surgeon and a great whatever the fuck else. You cutting people up and people are dying.
1: He's like Doctor Death over here.
2: It's a problem, side.
1: I'm pretty sure he also like dyed his skin with walnut when he was uh, in disguise. Oh no! <laughs>
2: this is such a problem.
1: I know. Also, unlike Doctor Jones, who, as far as I know, never dyed his skin walnut. <laughs> This is going to get weird. Waddle believed that all civilization began with Aryan Sumerians, who were blonde haired, blue eyed Nordics.
2: Oh no, <laughs> this is bad.
1: Yes, the belief would later lead to expeditions by Nazis looking for what they believed to be the origins of their quote unquote master race.
2: That's a problem.
1: Yes, yes, it is.
2: Both of us do not fit in that at all.
1: No. <laughs> Also, like, I just, I know everybody says this, but I just don't understand how white people can be a master race when, like, I get burned, like, the second I go outside in summertime. That's a fact. Yeah, like, (laughs) we're defeated by the sun, and that's just going outside.
2: (laughs) That is a fact. But.
1: (laughs) So stupid.
2: Look, I have nothing else to add. That's a fact.
1: (laughs) I didn't think so. (laughs)
3: What am I going
2: going? to say? He like, said, I got sunburned once on my nose and on my shoulders, and it was bad. And everybody who I made fun of against sunburn, I apologized.
0: <laughs> I was okay. like, oh my
2: God, you smell like fucking chemicals right now. This is disgusting. And then when that happened to me, I was like, oh, okay, this is bad. I apologize to everyone, <laughs> especially Timothy in the ninth grade. I apologize.
1: It's very sweet of you, James. <laughs> So Waddle was the first modern European to describe a Yeti. He wrote of seemingly ubiquitous Tibetan stories of hairy wild men who lived in eternal snow, which sounds awesome.
2: (laughs) That does sound awesome.
1: Yeah. Along with the wild men were mythical white lions whose great wars could be heard during storms. It's possible that those roars were the sounds of avalanches. Isn't that cool? What? Yeah.
2: (laughs) That is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. That is pretty cool.
1: He was skeptical of the legends, however. He called them superstitions and believed that the Yetis were probably a great yellow snow bear native to the region. It was believed that those snow bears were highly carnivorous, often killing yaks for meals. They often come in many colors, not just yellow. Some are different shades of brown and blackish. So your description was right.
2: See, I like. I knew I was right. Yeah. I knew I was correct. Because here's the thing. I am a man. So I inherently <laughs> think that I'm correct all the time. <laughs> when I'm mostly wrong.
1: Howard Burry, again, was our next explorer to find footprints in 1921. The expedition famously named the creature the Abominable Snowman and fueled Western interest in the legendary creature of the Himalayas. Yeah.
2: That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too.
1: In 1925, a British Greek photographer named N.A. Tambazi spotted a Yeti figure while on British Geological Expedition. The creature was about two to 300 yards away from him, and he described it as being unquestionably human-like, wearing no clothes. (laughs) It would uproot rhododendron bushes and eventually disappear from sight. (laughs) Just some naked thing, tearing apart
2: bushes. Bro, just like, again... With this naked guy who smelled like mozzarella cheese just tilling just, uh, wow. down bushes. So
1: many naked dudes. Erect. <laughs> <Running> erect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was perfect.
2: <laughs> look, I'm just saying, this guy, is, is, this is not a good look for this guy.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> he needs to put some pants on.
2: He needs to put some pants on.
1: <laughs> he and his companions later found human-like bipedal footprints around seven inches long and four inches wide. So, like, not really that big. Yeah. But kind of like my feet, which are pretty small, actually. Like Waddell, Tambazi didn't believe that the creature was a creature. He believed it was a naked wandering pilgrim. <laughs> He's like, no, that's, that's a naked man.
2: He's <laughs> like, I've He's seen like, multiple naked men in my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unmistakable. <laughs> that's a dick. <laughs> Chance is dying right now. (laughs) He just like fell over on his couch.
2: (laughs) Bro, you can't just look in in the camera and say, That's a dick.
1: (laughs) So, despite the skepticism by those who had made sightings, Writers of the time clung to the abominable snowman legends, and several unsubstantiated books and articles were written. Among them, and you might recognize this guy, was one written by the infamous cryptozoologist Ivan T. Sanderson. Do you remember that name?
2: Ivan T. Sanderson. I don't remember a lot of things in my life, but explain, (laughs) explain to me.
1: So Ivan T. Sanderson, he claimed to have coined the term cryptozoology, but he also wrote and investigated about the Flatwoods monster, and he deemed the Jersey Devil to be a hoax. He's going to come up a lot, and I think we should do an episode just on him because he's going to come up in a lot of different cryptids. He's fascinating. (laughs) Most
2: definitely. He seems like a fascinating guy.
1: Yeah. So he wrote a book called The Abominable Snowman. He not only sensationalized both Howard Burry and Tabazi's stories, he straight-up fabricated details about the footprints and the sightings, so he just made shit up about it. Like Newman calling the Dirty Man Bear an abominable snowman, Sanderson embellished otherwise banal stories for his own benefit. This is pretty common, and cryptozoology thrives on the backs of opportunistic so-called journalists. Mm. The Jersey Devil was the product of elaborate media hoaxes, as we talked about before. The Flatwoods Monster gained fame from media stories that attract members from the government, the Project Blue Book. And now we see it again here with the Yeti.
2: Yeah, it was like a a legacy similar to like alien sightings and stuff like that yeah how like some people just make up shit
1: yes yeah (laughs) and a lot of cryptids come from people just making up shit however in 1937 a man named frank smith wrote his own much more reputable book called the valley of the flowers Ooh, isn't it adorable (laughs) that is an
2: adorable name
1: Though he was famously grumpy and disagreeable in person, his book showed a passion for not just climbing, but also simple and beautiful things like flowers. Hence the name.
2: Bro, <laughs> this guy is like, is, is like that guy who's just an asshole to everyone, but like is nice to you type person.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: This is, this he's is, like the yeah. old
1: man from Up.
2: Yeah. He's like, get out of my face. And then he's friends <laughs> with that, that, um, that little kid, that little uh, yeah. Boy Scout kid.
1: So that sentimentality appealed to a larger audience. In his book, he wrote a full chapter of The Abominable Snowman, and with his appropriately flowery and gentle prose, he wrote about finding footsteps in the snow that were very similar to his own. I just love the idea of this guy being really grumpy to everyone he's working with and then going into his tent and being like, today we found the most beautiful blue flower.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I hate all of you people, (laughs) except for you, Daisy. (laughs) Bro, this guy is awesome.
1: I love this guy. I like this guy. Yeah. So Wang Di Pasang, a Sherpa in his expedition, was noticeably frightened by the tracks and called them uh, Kang Admi. Kang Admi. I'm so sorry for how bad that was.
2: And just looking at you pronounce this and seeing the fear in your face <laughs> is like, I feel for you,
1: bro. Oh, it's so hard. <laughs> it translates as snowman. Wow. <laughs> okay. So though he suggested that the footprints might be that of a snow leopard or a bear, the Sherpers were adamant that it must be from a snowman whose feet were backwards to confuse onlookers. He followed the tracks, but they only led to an empty cave, and after examination of the pictures that he submitted, the consensus was that they were from a bear. So this brings us back to double prints again. When bears walk slowly, their hind feet meet the tracks of the front feet creating double prints that look much larger than they actually are. And as the snow melts and refreezes, the tracks become larger and more exaggerated. And Smith believed that the stories of the snowmen were similar, That they had started as bears, and as traders shared the stories with other Tibetans, they became distorted and exaggerated, egged on by religious and superstitious beliefs. And Western media. And that brings us to some Nazi bullshit.
2: Yes, ma'am.
1: So, remember how I mentioned that Lawrence Waddle believed that all civilization came from (laughs) Aryan Sumerians?
2: Oh my god. He just he just did it cause that shit rhymes.
1: <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs>
2: Aryan Sumerians.
1: He just wanted to write poetry. This is
2: Dr. Seuss <laughs> wannabe guy.
1: Yeah.
2: Aryan Sumerians.
1: Well the Nazis believed something similar. In nineteen thirty nine, the German Reich sponsored operation tibet headed by ernst schaefer and he was part of ancestral legacy which was a part of the ss that was investigating the origin of man or what they believed to be the origin of man <laughs> it's gonna get weird james it's gonna get so weird
2: oh no i like i'm i signed up for this <laughs> yeah
1: okay they believed in something called glacial cosmogony so before i tell you what it is what do you think that is like glacial cosmogony
2: motherfuckers being born from glaciers <laughs> Is that it? Is that what it is? Yeah. That is
1: actually what it is. That is yeah. the
2: stupidest thing. That's that's like when people thought that that frogs came from the mud, bro. This is
1: <laughs> yeah. dumb as fuck. <laughs>
2: I need to go back to school.
1: Okay, just wait. It gets, it's going to get so weird. They specifically believed that ice was the developmental basis for all things in the universe and that everything evolved from a cosmic collision between an icy star and the sun, which would just melt. That doesn't make yeah. any sense. What? <laughs> yeah. What? Oh my God, it's going to get good. In this theory, the Aryan race itself was believed to have born. <laughs> they believe they came from the sky. <laughs> ah! They were believed to have been born of an ice storm in the Arctic or Tibet, after which they found, they found in the lost continent of Atlantis. What? Yeah. Which also doesn't make sense because wasn't that off the shore of Greece?
2: Yeah. And they don't look like that.
1: No, (laughs) no.
2: (laughs) It's like, I've seen Greek people. They don't look like how you want them to look like.
1: They do not look Aryan, Yeah, no. <laughs> they,
2: don't, they look like you would be very racist towards them.
1: Yes, yeah, I think they would. Although, Italians were, like, occupied by the Nazis and supported them, so maybe they wouldn't have been that racist towards them.
2: I mean, but by you, I mean the Nazis, not you, Frenchie.
1: I know, I that's what I'm saying. I was looking at you, and I was saying you. They supported the Nazis, so I don't think the Nazis were that racist towards them. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> so, here's some even more ridiculousness. The theory was especially appealing to the Nazis because it contradicted Albert Einstein's much more legitimate theory of relativity, which they considered quote unquote Jewish. What? <laughs> yeah.
2: It's like, it's like no, yeah. this is, I can't. I mean, he's a brilliant scientist, but this whole theory is too Jewish.
1: Yes. I can't do it. <laughs> <I> can't <laughs> do it with this so, Jewish ass theory. So ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, man. <laughs> Nazi logic it doesn't make any sense.
2: Oh my God.
1: Nazis were fascinated by Nordics, which is why they used runes to signify position and title. And that's also why runes are still used sometimes as symbols of white supremacy. In particular, they were interested in the Volsunga Saga, a late 13th century series of poetry about the origins of the Volsung clan, based on an epic poem by Elder Edda, or of Elder Edda. It's a series of epic poems. It talked of a cursed ring that would grant the user magical dominion over the world
2: oh my god
1: which might sound familiar yeah Oh
2: because no.
1: yeah because tolkien's lord of the rings is heavily influenced by it
2: oh no <laughs> <laughs> the lord of the rings is nazi propaganda <laughs>
1: Well, no, but the Nazis really liked the origin story.
2: <laughs> oh, no. And you say everyone who likes Lord of the Rings is a Nazi? Oh, <laughs> no. We're going to get canceled. French, you can't say things like that.
1: Uh, Tolkien didn't know that the Nazis were into it. <laughs> or maybe he did. I don't know.
2: But every time I think of Lord of the Rings, I think about my boy Chris, right? In, in, in the hammock, in my dorm room, drinking whiskey with his shirt off. Watching Lord of the Rings, and I came back from class, and he's crying. Oh. He's like, It's so beautiful. I was like, Get, out of, my, so get out of my room. Get <laughs> out of my room. Put <laughs> a shirt on. <laughs> Put a shirt on.
1: They are really beautiful, though. I cry so much in
2: those movies. No, they are beautiful, but that doesn't negate the fact that you're, you're half naked on my hammock yeah. <laughs> in my room drinking whiskey <laughs> and crying. <laughs> I don't need that in my life.
1: Yeah, no. So, this is what I wrote. Because they were idiots, these legends were pretty appealing to Hitler and Heinrich Himmler. (laughs) It fueled their preoccupation with the origins of what they misguidedly considered, again, the quote-unquote master race. They believed that if they could find the origins of the Aryan race through eugenics, they could breed racially pure and healthy Aryans.
2: Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's crazy because it's a fact that biological diversity helps people fight off different diseases and shit like that. Yeah, I might be correct, but also I skimmed some things when I was doing some other shit. So maybe I'm correct. Maybe I'm thinking of something that was in a movie because most of the things I come up with are probably in movies <laughs> and are not true.
1: Yeah, I think that's how we all are, you know,
2: <laughs> but who knows? <laughs>
1: So you skimmed something in a movie? Wait, was it was it the thing that bio that diversity is that the thing you skim from movies? I thought you were going somewhere. No, that's that
2: thing. Oh, that okay, thing is what gotcha. I from yeah, movies.
1: yeah, no, I think that's just true because like uh, there's so much inbreeding in like white history that uh, you could it could be never mind. Yeah, because we're, the, we're talking about science that we don't understand. talking about I science. Don't.
2: Look, look, like I'm very like I told you already. I'm very confident about things i do not know so i'm gonna continue <laughs> yeah. to talk
1: yeah i just feel like boy people would be a lot healthier if they weren't inbreeding so much back in the day
2: <laughs> bro people in in the royal family who inbred and then came out with fucking crimson chin and looking weird as fuck
1: yeah so crazy He's like,
2: bro you look weird as fucking allergic to the sun bro you like should be inside you look like nasiratsu bro you look yeah. weird as fuck bro <laughs> How are you the royal family? You look weird as fuck, but you look like a fucking alien, bro.
1: Oh man. But the Nazis really liked that shit. He said, ooh.
2: He's like, he's like this whole this whole scientific thing that you have right here, uh, where like it makes a little bit of sense. It makes them, like a lot of sense. No, fuck that. We're going to ice.
1: Yeah, it's too Jewish. Sorry. It's
2: too Jewish. We were born from ice. <laughs>
1: Um, A set of mummies were found that they felt confirmed their ideas, and these mummies are called the Terram mummies. They were found in the Terram bases of China and were discovered to likely be Caucasian, and they believed that Tibet could be a possible location for the origin of their race. Of course, the Abominable Snowmen factored into these stories, and the Nazis, never known to discount mythology as just that, believed that the Abominable Snowmen were potentially German ancestors of ice living in the Himalayan mountains from which they came.
2: <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Nazis are so weird. Like, Back
2: to the ice, bro. Yeah.
1: Like, I cannot believe they believed this stuff. It's insane.
2: <laughs> bro.
1: What?
2: No, but, like, was it Hitler on, like, on, like, or social shit like that? was he on, like, the purest form of meth?
1: Yeah, I think they were all on meth. Yeah. Yeah, so of course. They were. Of
2: course you believe in ice.
1: <laughs> Fucking crazy assholes. <laughs> when you're on
2: meth? Uh, when you're on the, like, pure meth? He's like, yeah. We were born from ice.
1: Yeah, he's like, I'm definitely. I'm definitely born of ice. He's <laughs> was like looking at his hands. He's <laughs> like, these digits are definitely just pieces of ice. <laughs> it's like the worst German accent ever. I'm sorry.
2: I just, want, I just want you to voice more things in that voice.
1: <laughs> I was going to do everything in, like, different accents, but then I was like, no, Fringy, that's too much.
2: Definitely <laughs> I definitely ice.
1: So, Nazis, Nazis also believed a number of other super far-fetched and delusional myths about Tibetans, such as that Tibetan women had magical stones in their vaginas.
2: I mean, <laughs> that just might be because they was nasty as fuck. They wanted to, be, like... <laughs> There was like there was like look we have to search for them.
1: <laughs> oh gross! Ew. Look. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and there was, it was like, like was like, this magical thing? Excuse things. me, madam. Can I look inside of your vagina? I hear you have a magic stone in there. And she's like, "What?
2: <laughs> what are you talking about? See, there's a magic stone in your vagina. I have to." And meanwhile, look for they're like it.
1: blitzed out of their minds. <laughs> they're talking to a tree. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am on meth right now.
1: It wasn't even a woman. It was just a tree.
2: Story of my life. It wasn't a woman that's a treat. And then it turns out to be Benjamin Franklin.
1: <laughs> it was Benjamin Franklin the whole time. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> it's always Benjamin Franklin. Always
2: Benjamin Franklin.
1: Unfortunately, we don't really have time to go and go down that rabbit hole and also I don't really want to, because fuck Nazis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a
2: controversial opinion. <laughs> fuck Nazis.
1: <laughs> Shouldn't be controversial, but fuck Nazis. And that brings us back to Shaver. Though he would later try to separate himself from his dealings with the Nazi higher-ups, he nonetheless seized the opportunity to work with them. In 1938, while heading the expedition Operation Tibet for the SS, his first objective was to mount guerrilla attacks on British India. Yeah, on British India. Sorry, I didn't understand what I wrote. It didn't make any sense.
2: Most of the things I write don't make sense.
1: (laughs) And his second objective was to find the lost tribe of blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aryans in the mountains.
2: Oh, God, (laughs) this guy. I
1: know. Though a newspaper article alerted the British to their intentions, which led to them being barred from India, Himmler was able to pull some strings, and in no time, they were on their way to Tibet. Along with his unsavory political followings, Schaefer was also, he could also be considered a questionable character. Prior to mounting his, his expedition, Schaefer shot and killed his wife due to a sudden wave that unbalanced him, quote unquote.
2: Oh no, that's what we calling it now?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: This guy's a freaking <laughs> Ed Gein, bro.
1: Yeah, he like trips on a chair and like shoots his wife. No, we all know you did it on purpose. You
2: did it on purpose. And now you have a lampshade.
1: It's not the chair's fault.
2: Of your wife's skin.
1: <laughs> and a belt of nipples.
2: Oh, belt. Of- <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I forgot about the nipple belt. Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh, no. So the expedition did not go well due to obstructions by British authorities. Schaefer and his team were told that they could not bring scientific equipment with them or shoot any animals on their trip. And they did exactly that and shot every animal in range.
2: First of all, I started blasting. That's first things first. (laughs) I got off the fucking plane or whatever, and I brought my fucking microscope and I started fucking blasting. Yeah, you just was shooting everything. (laughs) Shooting everything.
1: This made Schaefer the second white man to shoot a panda, for which he was very proud. Oh, no. He was super happy to shoot a cute, snuggly panda. Oh, no. I know, what an asshole. He and his swastika-clad men killed and collected 7,900 birds, eggs, pelts, insects, and ethnological objects. Yeah. What? Yeah.
2: Well, these guys are fucking menaces, bro. Yeah. These guys are fucking menaces.
1: Ethnology is the anthropological study of people and their relationships to each other, so presumably the ethnological objects that he took would be cultural items related to Tibetans and the surrounding countries. He then decided to fire his rifle into the ether to commemorate his wife, seemingly or willingly unaware of how inappropriate that was considering he killed her with his gun.
2: Bro, this guy... Yeah. This guy's crazy.
1: He's the worst. But in a moment of instant karma, the gun jammed, exploded, knocked him on his ass, and burned his face. Yes. I know. Yes.
2: Yes. What you get. You know what that is? That's how ghost. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you want to shoot and come around like, to me? oh,
1: fuck you. Yeah. I'm
2: burning your fucking face and then <laughs> knocking right. your ass off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you ghost shaper's wife. Well, maybe not, because she's probably a Nazi too, but. yeah, I
2: was, Yeah. I forgot <laughs> about you the you whole thing. It. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like many before him, Schaefer believed the snowman was likely a Tibetan bear. When his guides brought him to the den in search of the creature, as he'd done thousands of times before on this expedition, he shot it. It survived, and what emerged from that cave, roaring and angry, was a Himalayan brown bear. Frustrated with his porters, he faked footsteps outside of their tents to frighten them, and in so doing started a long tradition of faking yeti footprints. Foreboding. When he returned from his expedition... He brought his plant and animal specimens along with a badly manufactured Yeti with a partially constructed jaw of clay with teeth just haphazardly jammed into it. So he just brought like a fake Yeti with like a clay jaw.
2: This guy's a weirdo, bro.
1: Yeah, super weird. This
2: guy's a weirdo. Yeah. This guy's the kid who talks way too close to you at recess. Yes. Like in your ear, bro.
1: And has terrible breath. Yes. <laughs> and says super weird shit all the time.
2: <laughs> My goodness.
1: His reputation was forever and justifiably damaged by his dealings with the Nazis. And thusly, his opinions about the Yeti as an Aryan Iceman, Tibetan bearer, or otherwise were never taken seriously. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Thank goodness. Yeah. This guy's an asshole.
2: Because fuck that guy.
1: Yeah. And that's where we're going to pick up next week yes. on our second episode.
2: <laughs> on our second episode. Also, here's the thing. I don't like that guy.
1: I don't like him either.
2: He looked like... Yeah, I don't know what he looks like. But he sounds like he stinks. Yeah. I'm glad that he got his face burned off.
1: <laughs> Me too.
2: <laughs> Is that bad to say? Should I be empathetic? No, no. Oh, yeah. Fuck that guy. Thank you, Frenchie.
1: I don't think we have to be very empathetic. I don't think... Nazis were atrocious people. Yes. And I don't think we have to be empathetic to someone like this who killed his wife, like killed every animal that he saw despite being told that he wasn't allowed to, and hung out with Hitler and, and Heinrich Himmler. I don't think we need to be empathetic to someone like this guy. Okay. Yeah.
2: I was just wondering, because look, maybe it was a meth that made him do it. Who knows? Maybe the wave of whatever was meth.
1: Could I mean, that could definitely have been a big factor. <laughs> maybe
2: the, a, a meth wave.
1: Yeah, yeah. But this guy doesn't deserve empathy. Technically, if we were empathizing with him, we would be agreeing with him anyway. So, bleh. oh, okay, yeah, because empathy is like feeling what other people feel. So, so
2: would it be sympathy then?
1: Nah, I don't feel like no. it. No, no sympathy for you. No sympathy, for you,
2: no soup for you.
1: <laughs> That's right. So, All right.
2: if you can, if you can see, if you can hear, you can't see. If you can hear, you probably hear that I'm in a different place. Yes, I'm in a different place right now. So, if it sounds different, because I'm in a different place.
1: And this is because James accidentally looked up the wrong monster.
2: That's exactly why. I'm in a different place in my life after that embarrassment. And also, I'm in a different place altogether. (laughs) Yeah. So what we're going to do is...
1: Different room, different room noise. Everything is different.
2: Everything is different. So let's get to it. Are you ready, Frenchie?
1: James, tell me about the Yeti. What's it look like?
2: All right, these are the Yeti sightings. Okay, it's oh, white. Right.
1: All right, wait, no, it is the Yeti sightings. I forgot. James, tell me about the Yeti sightings.
2: I was about to say, I already told you about the Yeti. <laughs> Come on. That's right, and
1: it actually was accurate. <laughs> Even though you were telling me about Bigfoot, it was still accurate to the Yeti description.
2: Exactly, so I'm, I'm actually correct most of the time. So, boom, we're going we're gonna to start off with Don Williams in 1970. Don Williams, a Manchester plumber and climber.
1: Nice. I know this one. Oh, you do? Yeah. No, this is great. This is one of the footprints that I cut out because there were too many. So this is awesome. Tell me about it.
2: He saw strange footprints by his campsite on Aparna by that temporary base camp. You know, it was in 1910. Aparna is in Nepal. He found and photographed footprints and later that night watched an ape-like creature about A quarter of a mile away through binoculars, like a real creep (laughs) in bright moonlight for 20 minutes. For 20 minutes? That's really a long time.
1: You know what's really funny about you saying he's a real creep by looking through binoculars? Just yesterday, I was out with my friend, with Aspen, and we saw a falcon or maybe a hawk eating an animal, and we were watching it with binoculars, and now all I can think about is this falcon being like,
2: who these fuckers watching me with, with binoculars? <laughs> these fuckers watching me being real creeps right and now. We I'm, like trying
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm trying to eat my food. Yeah, I'm trying to eat my food. It's you watching me right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Go on.
2: <laughs> Williams saw an animal walking on all fours that resembled an ape. He didn't think it was a bear because he's seen bears. And in the morning after the incident, his Mars bars stash was completely gone.
1: <laughs> are we sure that his other campmates didn't eat his Mars bars? No, because it those are the, delicious.
2: It was the Yeti. <laughs> the Yeti ate his Mars bars. Is
1: this this is the same guy that like came up with the Parnas that most people buy now, isn't it?
2: I have no idea. I never researched past this. So
1: if it yes. is if it is, from like what I understand, he came up with or like because he did this People came up with this new like type of strap, but if you like fell while wearing it, it really constricted your like nethers.
2: Oh no! <laughs> uh,
1: yeah.
2: So he's a creep with mangled. It was an. A-
1: I think it was just an accident.
2: <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> That's not. I'll good. look it up
1: to verify, and then we'll put it on Instagram or something. But it's pretty funny. <laughs> Are we
2: gonna put a picture of somebody mangled um nether regions? <laughs> on on Instagram
1: maybe the harness, not the oh, just, I don't think oh, we need to post anybody's me. mangled nether regions <laughs> i I
2: would think so. <laughs> another sighting mm-hmm. William Hugh Knight in eighteen eighty eight one of the best known explorers of Tibet and a member of the british royal Royal societies Club, one of the best known explorers of Tibet and a member of the British Royal societies Club uh, said that he had seen. One of the wild men from a fairly close distance, sometime previously, he hadn't reported it before, but felt that due to the statement about the man-like footprints that was made by Howard Burry's party, yep. he was now compelled to add his own evidence to the growing pile of Mars bars. Knight said that the wild man was a little under six feet high, almost stark naked, in that it like like it was almost stark naked, and it was cold outside, which is crazy, and it was in November. <laughs>
1: Which is <laughs> crazy. It was cold outside.
2: He was kind of pale, yellow all over. This is problematic because this is what he said. He said he was kind of yellow. It was kind of uh yellow all over, about the color of a Chinaman. Oh boy. Oh no. There's
1: so much. There's so much racism in this series.
2: <laughs> a Chinaman. Like a Chinaman. No. Like a Chinaman.
1: Okay. Well, I have good news for you, James. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is a fabrication. I'm pretty sure oh, okay. that, the, that that society that he speaks of is not a real society.
2: It's not a real society, yeah, and also it's not a real Chinaman.
1: Because um, it's mentioned in the, one, of the, one of our sources, one of the books I read, and it's mentioned that that society didn't exist and that his account was fabricated. So it's possible that this guy is just another racist dude chasing footprints for fame.
2: Talking about (laughs) Chinaman.
1: Yeah. I'll double check it before we post the episode, Mm. but I'm pretty sure that that account is widely reported but false.
2: Okay. Got you. Yeah. So that's, I don't like this guy, anyways.
1: Yeah, because he used Chinaman to describe a bear.
2: (laughs) Chinaman.
1: Oh my God.
2: (laughs) Yo, out of all the things, Chinaman.
1: Yeah, come on.
2: And in 2014...
1: Ooh, yay, a recent one.
2: Well, I, I think it was kind of a joke, but...
1: Oh. Uh,
2: the Indian Army confirms Yeti footprints. The Indian Army says it has discovered footprints in uh, the, the Himalayas that appear to belong to a Yeti. It says known in the, in the United States as a Bigfoot mm-hmm. or the, or the Abominable Stone. Mm-hmm. You no, know, it's, it's not a Bigfoot because I searched for the Bigfoot and I was wrong.
1: Yeah, so they're they're, they're like cousin. They're like Bigfoot's ancestor.
2: I was like, look, you lying because you said they say it's the Bigfoot, but it's not the Bigfoot because because I looked at the Bigfoot and I was wrong. So <laughs> don't don't do that is, to me. Bigfoot
1: is just in a different part of the world, but it's still it's the same legend, just in a different part of the world.
2: But it's not in snow.
1: That's true. It's not in snow. Well, I guess it snows in in, the, in Oregon sometimes and in Northern California.
2: Oh, maybe. Well, back to the Indian Army. Okay. The Indian Army yeah, confirms the Yeti footprints in the Himalayas measuring 32 inches Whoa. by 15 inches. Whoa. The footprints were found near Mount Makalu Base Camp in April 9, 2014.
1: I think those are the biggest footprints so far. That's enormous.
2: That's gigantic. Yeah. Some noticed that the photos appeared to show the footprints in a straight line, one behind the other. So they they compared it to a model.
1: A model? Wait, what?
2: Yeah, they're making fun of it and like putting up... Oh, because um, models names. do that, like, yeah, the, like that like catwalk thing. Yeah,
1: I'm uh, I'm doing it with my fingers, but no one can see but James.
2: Look, and it's look that's Tara Banks level.
1: Right, my fingers are really good at the catwalk.
2: They're very good. <laughs> I right, so. The Hodgson account is another one. Mm-hmm. In 1832, James Princep's Journal of Asiatic Society of Bengal published an account by B.H. Hodgson in northern Nepal. He described spotting a large bipedal creature covered in long, dark hair. Hodgson believed it was an orangutan, but people think it's, it was a yeti. Okay. Uh, and then this is what he said. Religion has introduced the Bandar, a native monkey, into the central region where it seems to flourish, half-domesticated in the neighborhood of temples in the populous valley of Nepal, proper. My shooters were once aimed... Oh,
1: this is the one we were talking about before.
2: Oh. Tell us
1: more, tell us more.
2: Were once alarmed in the Kachar... I'm also yeah. I'm also gonna mispronounce some things, so don't get mad at me. That's
1: okay. It's really hard. We don't we don't speak these languages. We we only we only really speak English.
2: I I only speak English poorly, and I mispronounce words a lot <laughs> in English. <laughs> so for someone to think that I can pronounce other words correctly in another language is is is, is a lot of faith in something that we're sh- we're
1: doing our best
2: It's <laughs> shown to like not it, you shouldn't have faith in me. Should not pay to me.
1: <laughs> It's okay. We're doing our we're doing our best. We are sorry. We mean no disrespect. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Go on.
2: In the catchall, by the apparition of a wild man, possibly an orangutan, but but I doubt the, their accuracy. They mistook the creature for a. Ca-
1: I think it's Casodemon demon or something. Let me pull up my notes. Yeah. Because I have the quote in my notes too.
2: Castle Demon and they fled from it instead of shooting it. It moved, they said, Ha that's yeah, I remember you yeah. said that.
1: Ah. <laughs> I love that you're just doing the same thing I did. <laughs> it moved directly. It's the one.
2: <laughs> it's the exact same one, son.
1: This
2: is it's amazing. the exact same one. I love this. <laughs> but guess what? Yeah. Did I look up the wrong thing first? Did I rush to do this? Yes. Am I gonna do the same thing as Frenchie sometimes? Of course.
1: But also, we don't tell each other like what we're researching. Like, <laughs> so we're gonna overlap, some- overlap sometimes.
2: No, but in this instance, I heard it already. <laughs> so it's completely my fault. <laughs> it's not like about researches previously. Is hilarious.
1: It was, like, James.
2: It was like, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what you're researching. No, I know exactly what you was researching. <laughs> Word for word,
1: <laughs> literally, word for word.
2: <laughs> I didn't go like, Oh, this sounds familiar. I was just like, Uh, yeah, this <laughs> sounds like a thing.
1: <laughs> so, the quote is My shooters were once alarmed in the Kashar by the apparition of a wild man, possibly an orang, but I doubt their accuracy. They mistook the creature for a casso demon or a rakshas and fled from it instead of shooting it. It moved, they said, erectly was covered with long dark hair and had no tail. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing, James.
2: <laughs> Bro, I can't believe I just did that. But it's, it's fine. Though. I
1: love it. I love it. It's, it's fine.
2: It's the fine. last one uh-huh. is the incident of Dia pass in 1959. Uh-huh. All right, the last one I have here for today, because then the other one is going to be more sightings. All right, so mm-hmm. um, on February second, nineteen fifty nine, nine hikers were camped out in a mountain pass, which would soon be named Dia to Love Pass, Dia to Love D Y A T L O V Pass. That
1: is hard. Yeah.
2: Yeah, like that's that's, uh, that's Russian. It's very difficult.
1: Oh it's Russian or something like that. Dyatlov.
2: Dyatlov.
1: Dyatlov.
2: Yeah. Leading the group was Igor Dislov. Dietzlov? I bet yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. This strange happen- happening occurred in the Ural Mountains on the east face of Kalat Seattle. Russia.
1: This is great. I love this.
2: Bro. That specific night, <laughs> uh-huh. the hikers were attacked by something, right? Whoa. Uh-huh. Uh, people think it might have been a Bigfoot-like creature. Some think it was aliens. Ooh, fun. Uh, Or even a man. Like a regular dude. Just a regular dude killing people.
1: Just a naked guy. Again. Just a na-
2: naked guy erect. Yep. Just killing people.
1: <laughs> and one of the women was like, <laughs> That's a dick. James <laughs> <Thanks. laughs> fell over again. He's a dick. Same joke, and he it's fell it. over again.
2: He's a dick. <laughs> and then, you know what's crazy, Frenchie? <laughs> what? Some of the hikers' eyes and tongues were, surpri- oh, were like precisely severed.
1: What? Cause I like
2: surgically kind of like severed. Ew.
1: Were they alive or were they were they
2: not even dead? dead, but it's still it's Horrifying. still unknown What happened to them?
1: Oh my god Horrifying,
2: but it's one of the theories is a the yeti. All right, but it's like a whole bunch of theories I though. guess
1: the yeti really wanted those tongues.
2: Yeah, Ew. they like tongues. They like tongues.
1: <laughs> nice yeah. that and That's
2: and that was the uh, The the signings did I you know rush? Yes did I say the same thing Frenchie did? I'll of course. Yes. Are you going to judge me? Don't judge me. I don't, want, I don't want people judging me right now.
1: <laughs> James is doing his best. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Frenchie. I'm doing my best. see. I'm not doing my best because I could do better. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> But you actually researched the wrong thing first. I'm doing so. the thing. <laughs> yeah. That was great. I liked that. Thank you, James.
2: No problem. <laughs> uh, uh, Frenchie, Frenchie it, it seems like we're getting a, some type of broadcast.
1: A broadcast?
2: On a podcast? Yeah, this is crazy. Um, let, wait, let me, let me try, to get, try to get it. Coming to you live from an undisclosed location in the Pacific Northwest, this is the Creature Collective Sports Network. I'm Sasquatch420, and this is my associate.
1: Tiny Ginger Sasquatch. No relation.
2: The cryptosphere is ablaze as the CCSN bracket narrows. As you're all aware, we have seen some great fights between the likes of Mothman, the Jackalope, and the beloved Chessie and Kaptar.
1: That's right, Sassy. Mothman is fighting against the unlikely opponent, the Jackalope.
2: Welcome to the arena, Mothman. It's a pleasure
0: to meet you, Sassy.
2: Would you say you're ready for the fight? Mm -hmm. More
0: than ready, as you know. I've had a few slow decades since the bombing in Russia. Yes, yes. Five cloves of garlic, two red onions, four large tomatoes. You're a very weird dude.
1: He is a weird dude. Speaking of weird dudes, Jackalope is coming off of a surprise victory against Kaftar. He won by confusing the creature with his speed and luck. What do you have to say for yourself, Jackie boy?
3: Well, I gave 110% in that battle, and luck is just when good planning, and 110% meet with good fortune.
0: Yes, yes. Now, all I'm missing is a skinny
3: cottontail right. rabbit,
0: and I've got my stealth for stew
3: going. Actually... That's a jackrabbit, not cottontail. Lepus capara, as opposed to gatus. Well, you know, they have fluffy tails and I have an antler. (laughs) This is going to be fun. uh
0: Yes, a
3: jackrabbit will do
0: just fine. Honestly, your only chance at being frightening is when someone's grandma gets yellow fever from your decomposing
3: carcass. I liked you better when you were delivering Harry Potter's mail. The best thing I can say about you is they're replacing the Confederate monuments with your visage. Listen here, you gift shop reindeer. You're the result
0: of HPV crossing spaces. You cosplaying hamster.
3: That just proves I can get some, unlike others here. You could have been played by Jeff Goldblum, but instead, You got cast opposite Richard Gere.
0: Oh, I'm sure you're quite familiar with Mr. Gere. Seeing as he's a known hamster-sexual.
3: That's rule 34 for you. Jeff Goldblum,
2: he has a weird sexual energy that I'm undoubtedly into, Genji. I
1: see what you mean, Sassy. That fly was something else.
3: You're supposed to be associated with natural disaster. But you come from Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Truly harrowing. The only reason you're still alive is because the
0: entire economy of Douglas, Wyoming relies on individuals with IQs between 50 and 70 true, trying to
3: hunt you on June 31st. Sure, but what does that say about your IQ? Listen here,
0: I'm an even 75. We'll see how long you last. That's enough. I'll cut your head off and mount you on my wall where you belong.
1: Why, sassy, it looks like Mothman is taken to the skies. Is
2: he fleeing the scene? <gasps> <laughs> He's taking a dive. And not in the sense of losing a fight on purpose. He's literally diving straight towards the jackalope.
1: The jackalope seems to be in a trance. Why? Sassy, do you see those pupils? Why, they're as large as black holes. Does he like the Mothman?
3: Oh, it's so pretty. Will you be my friend? The jackalope equation of numerals and integers derived by the exponent of the speed of dirt to the eighth power gives you... That means I need to move right here. And the jackalope has moved out of the way in a blink! Of an eye. Oh my, the
1: jackalope is moving at the speed of light. Why, if he appears he's attached himself to the Mothman.
3: yippee ki mothfucker. This isn't Bob Saget's jackalope. Get this rabbit, antelope, fucking,
0: fluffy motherfucker, Tarantula, off my fucking back!
2: Oh no! The Mothman is tripping over his own legs. He's attempting to fly and... He hit a window? Poor guy knocked himself out! And the Jackalope is our winner!
1: Yay! The crowd goes wild! Well, Jackie boy, why don't you tell us about
2: yourself?
3: Well, I just go out there and I give 110% because I'm 110% of a Jackalope. And what brought you here today? Well, after I gave 110% in that last battle, I was 110% curious about this battle.
1: How do you feel about the battle?
3: Ah, well, you know, you go out there and you give 110% and you want to play good and, you know, you hope you play good. I think I I played pretty good tonight. And what is it exactly that you do around here? I give 110%.
1: Well, Jackie boy, what's a message you'd like to tell the world tonight?
3: Go out there and give 110%. Because when you give 110%, the world will give you 110% back. That's 220%.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. Thanks for tuning into The Creature Collective.
3: You can follow us on Instagram at
2: Creature Collective Pod and Twitter at The Creature Pod.
1: If you have your own creature sighting, if you know someone who's had their own creature sighting, or if you have a city monster that you'd like to tell us about, You can email us at creaturecollectivepod at gmail.com. And as always, stay spooky, stay scary.
2: And shout out to all the boys becoming men and the men becoming wolves out there. Good night.
0: Good Good night. night.